If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 425 of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheen, joined today by the Colin Bascal of Irish MMA media, Graham MacDonald, as we take uh, a deep dive into the world of mixed martial arts on the, the 16th of July 2023 with lots to offer to our listening public. Today, before we get into all of that, let me tell you that this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our great friends over at Manscaped. And ladies and gentlemen, it's time to unleash that beach beast within you. I'm sure we'll have sun soon. And this summer, Manscaped is here to help you level up your beach game with our new Beard Hedger Pro Kit. I want one of these. Manscaped, sit them out. They're going past waist deep in the grooming game and diving in head first to your facial hair fantasies. The Beard Hedger is a game changer allowing you to shave your beard like a true beach babe. So this summer, let the beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place. Visit manscaped.com and use the code SEVERMMA for 20% off and free shipping. It's time to tame your mames. So say goodbye to all your stubble trouble with Manscaped's Beard Hedger Pro Kit. It all starts with the Beard Hedger. First off, this cordless trimmer has a rotary wheel that gives you 20 hair cunning lengths all with one guard, so no more messy drawers full of add-ons. Plus, it's waterproof. You can shave in the shower to avoid all the hair uh, in the sink. It has a titanium-coated T-blade, and it's tough on hair but smooth on your face, leading to single-stroke efficiency. Uh, It brings satisfaction one stroke at a time. Uh, it doesn't end there though They have created four dermatologically tested formulations For your post-trim care First of all, the beard shampoo and conditioner You need to remember uh, All your hair is different I actually have some of this ground I know if you have it or not But it's very good I, I like this a lot I use it a lot um, It's your obviously your beard hair is different to your head hair and you need it you know you need something different on it then after that they have the manscaped beard oil it helps uh, relieve dryness uh, both on the beard and the skin beneath it while adding a little summer shimmer and shine and then you have the beach balm a pomade that shapes styles uh, moisturizes and tames for a sculpted look to attract any fellows or dames uh, the pro beard kit also comes with three free gifts a beard brush comb scissors to ensure your beard is ready to impress. So to get all of that, use the promo code SEVEREMMA to get 20% off and free shipping and don't cough like me while you're doing it. That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com using the code SEVEREMMA. Manscaped Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 
lens. And while you're, do you know while you're there, Graham, while you're doing that, head on over to our friends over at Caldera Lab as well and get some get some beautiful skincare products because first impressions matter. There's no two ways around that. And what do people look at first? Your beautiful face. So add a little bit of a skincare routine to that and we'll be all well and good. If you go over to Caldera Lab, use a promo code uh, SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com. You can get 20% off their best products. And the best products, how, what are they, Graham? They are starting with the regimen, which is... Uh, an absolutely brilliant twice a day routine to transform your skincare. Obviously, we know it's a heavily female driven industry, but like, why can't the lads? Why can't the lads have a bit of that? Why can't we have a bit of it? Come on, you know. The regimen is the way to do it, though. Three things: clean slate, base layer, the good. Clean slate starts your day, refreshes your face and your skin. Base layer is your daily moisturizer that hydrates and absorbs fast, gives you a matte finish. Starts your day confidently. And the good is your go-to at night. Clinically proven multifunctional serum um, that makes skin look smoother and tighter. Um, there's three point four million antioxidant units protecting your skin. I think everyone wants to know what that means, but who knows? But, you know, it must be good, like, it has to be. They even have eye serum called the Icon, which address I need some of that at the moment after staying up all night to watch the fight. Three most common skin concerns around the eye. It it, uh, it, it helps with them. Fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. Um, look, Calera Lab is made with top-tier ingredients. is a great addition to your daily routine. Take less than a minute or two in the morning, uh, and it's here to reduce wrinkles, fine lines, and sides of aging. And you know what? That's that. Get the code, Severe MMA, put it in at calderalab.com, and you can get 20% off. Jump into that uh, first impression royalty with Caldera Lab. Okay, Graham, let's uh, let's get jump into MMA now. And um, do you know what? Let, let's, let's start with Sean and Bannon, because it's... Um, it's, I was going to say it's not often we have Irish people debuting in the UFC, but it, you know what? It's it's getting a bit more regular again, and it's absolutely great to see. But um, she makes her UFC debut against Bruna Brazil uh, at the upcoming UFC London, and I was actually I was thinking about it. And, you know, it's it's obviously a massive opportunity for Sean and all. It's great for Paddy Hoolan's gym, you know, with the uh, him taking that uh, record now that no one else can break about being the first Irish person to fight in the UFC and to train someone in the UFC which is absolutely massive but I, th- I don't think we've ever had someone in the situation like Shauna's ha- is where it's like she's almost gotten there too quick you know usually it's the other way around usually it's like uh, oh my god um, uh, Kyle Pinder has been trying for about 10 fights Conor McGregor has 24 fights in his career Ashling Daly everyone down through the years like Reese a little bit but I think Reese was like uh, oh you know I could have got a little bit more um, uh, you know experience or fought for the cage or maybe one fight or something like that you know Charlie Ward obviously I suppose is the other example as well but he had a good few fights in his career and stuff but Sean is very new in her career so much so that what was it, only two years ago she won our amateur fighter of the year it seems uh, it seems absolutely mad that she's gone this quickly only made her professional debut in 2022 and it's what are we 2023 now so it's oh, 15 months as a professional it's absolutely mad to see Graham and we're, we're not used to this sort of thing are we but it's, it's brilliant you're looking forward to, to Shauna's debut where you are yeah absolutely yeah definitely I think you know she's she's shown how much she's grown in between fights and she's 
as you said, she's come to the she's come to the U, or got to the UFC really quickly, and she's also had you know she's had a kid, she's a single mother, she's juggling all that stuff with her training, and you know she she really she really is like doing a lot really quickly, and you know hopefully it's not too quickly. I don't think it is. I think you know obviously it's going to be a step up when you're when when you when you're fighting kind of one and one, three and oh, three oh and one, one and two, six and four girls like. You know, she's winning decisively. She's looking good. She's improving in them fights, but it definitely is a big step up in terms of the UFC and, you know, uh, a competitor like Bruna Brazil, who's who's kind of, you know, fought more experienced girls in the past and has had that uh, contender series and UFC experience, even though she lost in the UFC, you know, she's felt the kind of the big event feel before. And, you know, Shauna seems to me like the kind of girl who will embrace all of this and kind of f- feed into it and, and will, will use it to her advantage and, kind of rise to the occasion but that's all speculation until we actually see her go in and do it against you know somebody who is a tough opponent in in bruna brazil you know she's an experienced girl as i mentioned and she's fought some some tough some tough fights you know so uh i'm expecting shauna to go in and win but you know um it's definitely a big step up and um a, a huge moment for her and you know uh for her for bruna brazil it's, an, it's a very important fight as well because she's Oh, and one in the UFC now, and obviously, you know, you, you can't keep losing in the UFC. You're, you're going to get cut, so there's a lot on the line for her as well. And she's going to she's going to come looking to take that undefeated record away, and she'll probably be looking at Shauna's record, thinking she's fought nobody like me. And if I put the pressure on her and stick to a game plan, I can I can cause her problems. So be, I'm very interested in this fight. There's going to be a lot of questions uh, answered, and yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah, a hundred percent. People, I suppose, don't know Shauna in terms of her, her fighting background. She well, there's uh, interviews with uh, Ian and uh, and a few uh, a few interviews with Ian out there on our Severa Miss. So check them out. But as a fighter herself, like she, and it's funny because she was over with her sister at the the European Games there only a couple of weeks ago with her, you know, kind of point fighting and uh, taekwondo ish type of background that she had. And I know her father is involved an awful lot in that with that. And she spoke about Ian, uh, about 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 that with Ian as well. Um, and that's the type of style she is when you look at her first. But then you see her recent fights, and there's a lot of grappling. There's a lot of her winning fights on top. She's turned into a good wrestler, which is odd to say for someone who's, you know, 15 months as a pro, and, like, the improvements that have been made already. But it's with Shauna, it's it's a case of, if you're only starting following her journey now, you it's probably a good time to start, because she's really still on that journey. Like, who, at 15 months into their professional career, would be the finished article? Absolutely no one. But what she has showed in, especially the last two Invicta fights, and I she, she had the cage legacy fight in there as well it's like clear improvements between fights it's like massive improvements between fights and like you you'd need to make those improvements to get to this level and i think that's why she has been signed because the ufc want to sign uh, undefeated people they want to sign people that they they can see are making clear improvements and she absolutely definitely exciting fighters as well people who go for the finish yeah. you know even though she hasn't actually got a finish in, in her last three fights she's gone to decision they've been dominant and she's you know looked to finish on the feet and looked to finish on the ground and that's why like you know dana white and the ufc they're the exact kind of fighters looking for an undefeated as you said it's is a huge boost to to getting signed. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm interested though because like people look at Shauna and they probably look at her background and like 
if people don't know as well, Sean has a fight with uh, Dakota Decheva back in 2020. Uh, and if people don't know who Dakota Decheva is now, she's probably the best up-and-coming 125-pounder on the planet. She's really, really, really good. I went back and I watched that fight recently, and do you know what? It was very close. There's definitely an argument Shauna could have won that fight, so that's up away. That, that was her last loss as well, you know. Yeah. We always say, like, you know, uh, losing can be the secret ingredient to success, and people can, you know, especially early in their career when they're fighting amateur, we sometimes see people kind of try to pad their amateur amateur record during their amateur career, and it's just, you know, completely pointless in my opinion. Obviously, it gives you a bit of confidence and things like that, but like the 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 route of going and fighting these really tough girls, like Shauna has at amateur, and doing these, um, you know, IMAFs and these uh, these. Um, taking you out of, your, out of your comfort zone and, you know, all that stuff, definitely just, that's what amateur should be for. And that's, you know, she's, she's shown how, how uh, solid a base that can build you. And, you know, you, you, me and you have both been talking about how much improvement she's made in between fights. And I think she's probably made more improvements than we've seen. And she just really hasn't got a chance to show it. So, you know, I'm really, you know, I'm excited about this. And I think, uh, I think, like, you know, she, she she goes for the finish, and I think she might get one here. Yeah, uh, it's an interesting fight because Bruna Brazil, going back watching her, she's very much kind of a point-fighting stylist as well. You know, she fights on the outside. Now, there isn't, obviously, you know, there isn't a whole pile of uh, of tape on her because, she, obviously, she's had two fights uh, on uh, one contender series, one in, in the UFC, about finished in the second round. So, um, you know, and I watch a bit of her LFA fighters, but she does like the fight on the outside. I'm, I'm interested to see... I, I love do you know what I love when I'm interviewing fighters I love asking them like how do you develop your style and all and, and I love the different answers I get with that and I'm interested to see like if Shauna's style has developed through necessity or through want because if it's true necessity and Bruno Brazil comes out and strike we could have a, like a really fun sort of striking matchup between two point fighters on the outside which anyone who sees the, the background the art in my wall knows that I absolutely love that so that'd be absolutely class or if it's Sean Bannon kind of saying I'm going to be a well-rounded Mr. Martial Artist and if you come in doing your point fighting well I'm going to put you on the ground and I'm going to you know get a submission or I'm going to land some big strikes on the ground with you which is absolutely well able to do and you know what I think it'd be a good sign if we probably saw a bit of both to be honest because that's what you want you want to be a well-rounded mixed martial artist you're not fighting point fighting anymore but if you can and you can do that and you can win a fight that way absolutely no problem but I'm very interested to see how she actually fights and as you said Graham as well like the big you know, the big lights over you and all, it's very different from anything she's experienced. Like, Shauna hasn't had, like a lot of the fighters these days, she hasn't had the three arena experience, you know? She's fought in Cage Legacy and Invicta. You know, Invicta have good crowds, but not a massive. And, you know, I think the one thing she has with Cage Legacy, she brings a massive crowd herself, like a few hundred people. So, like, there is that pressure when there's all your fans, like your fans are filling up the whole place, even if it's a GA hall or whatever. There, there is a pressure that that brings, and that would help, but it's very very different fighting at UFC London and it's also going to be a different sort of um, uh, a different sort of atmosphere because you know she's early enough on the card I would say you know first or second fight uh, I, I, it's hard to know I, I look the atmosphere will probably be good because um it's it's London and people usually get in early in cards in this side of the world so it's 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 massive. It's really massive for Sean Bannon, massive for Irish MMA as well, and great to see. And Graham, before we, we move on from this, maybe, Reese McKee as well. It, the, the UFC haven't officially announced it, but Reese came out and said it. Graham Byland came out and said it. Uh, there's a fight out there as well that um, I think uh, Alex Behune, I'm not sure how to pronounce his name, but he... Um, 
um, a report that he's fighting Agna Lusa. Now we'll once we get that confirmed, now we'll talk about that. But Reese back in the UFC, Graham, with Sean a debut in this week. What a week for Irish MMA! Absolutely fantastic to see Reese back. And I, is there anyone that deserves it as much as Reese? It's hard to say. Brilliant for him, isn't it? Yeah, we, we've talked about it even since he was straight away when he was cut from the UFC that he was hard done by. And, you know, we, every time he fights, we, like, you know, you see the, the 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 comments we make on social media and the podcast, we, we talk about how, you know, in our eyes, it's clear that he should be in the UFC. And, you know, he's been extremely unfortunate. But, like, you know, Reese is a, you know, keeps to himself, keeps the head down, doesn't complain, just, you know, gets the work done and makes it undeniable. And, you know, the UFC said, OK, you know, we get you in here even though they haven't signed people like Paul Hughes, you know? So yeah, absolutely. You know, testament to, to Reese McKee's mentality and, you know, not, not letting like, um, kind of injustice or feeling hard done by, you know, uh, get to you, just keep the head down, keep getting better, keep, keep winning, keep being an absolutely, you know, exciting, brilliant fights, looking for the finish. And, you know, uh, you know, Shimaev, that was, that was, you know, that was a, a huge ask on short notice against, you know, a guy who was the big, the biggest hype machine and rightly so at the time. And, you know, this is like a, I nearly write that off. This is like a nearly, you know, a second birth in the UFC for, for Reese McKee. Like sometimes we see guys get re-signed just because uh, they, they need a fight or they, they need a fighter. But Reese McKee has 100% earned this uh, this UFC contract. 100%. Without, without a shadow of it, I'm like, what did you see want these days? They want finishers. Reese McKee, 13 wins, 13 finishes. That says it all about him. And you're right as well about the, the first part you said there about, um, you know, not getting into maybe a negative mindset or whatever. Like after that Justin Burlinson fight, I was a little bit worried because I think it was Andrew he spoke to afterwards and he kind of said like, now or never the UFC. And I was thinking like, you're going to need another fight here. Unfortunately, it's like, I, I hope the UFC caught him up next month, but I knew he'd need another fight. And I, I turned out to be right. And I think I said it on the podcast, but I was like, geez, this is a real bad sign. If he's like, if he's got into an, an next fight, it's going to be someone good as it was with Jimmy Wallet. If you're going into that in a negative mindset, and you end up losing, Jesus, you're back to fucking square one. But he didn't. You could see quickly he turned that mindset around and he made that Jimmy Wall had a massive fight in his in his head, which everyone knew was a massive fight in practice. But sometimes lads don't do it in their heads and next thing it's out the window and you fucking lost, you know. But he clearly did. And I spoke to him just the week after that fight as well. And you could see like the respect he had for Jimmy Wallet and the, the realization that this is what you have to do to get back to the big show. And then, you know, it's taken a few months. It's what, three months now since that fight, but he, he's back and he, he absolutely deserves it. And I think the difference now between Reese signing in, I, I briefly mentioned it earlier on, like he had that three fight win streak in cage wires where like he beat Hakan Foss. Uh, I, I think that was at the car card, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. And, um, I think it, there was going to be a Belfast card that this was at the start of the, the pandemic, so it's hard to uh, to remember all this, but there was going to be a Dublin or a Belfast card, Belfast card, I'm pretty sure. He was going to be fine for the title, and then it was all, you know, thrown in to disrepair. And then he fought Shemaev, right? Seven months into 2020. How much training had he been doing? How much preparation? Like, it's uh, in the middle of the pandemic. You're fighting fucking Shemaev. And then Morono a couple of months later. And then you're out of the UFC. And, you know, a relatively close fight against Morono. Like, it was. It felt like it was a fight too quickly. Um, it was the worst possible matchup you could get. And in a veteran, like, not one bit of an easy gimme at all. Uh, but he went, he went out. 
and he finished guys after that. Fought a veteran in Mantikivi, fought Burlington, one of the other best up and comers, and fought the veteran of all veterans in Jimmy Walled, uh, who was the interim champion at the time, and finished every single fucking one of them. And like Reese. His wrestling has improved. His ability to land those strikes have improved. There's no one in the UFC, or sorry, there's no one in, in what would we say, like Irish MMA or, or local MMA that we've seen in years, I think, in my opinion anyway, that is as, when Reese gets comfortable in there, there's no one as comfortable as him. He just loves it. And he, like he's, <laughs> I, I asked him about it. And he was like, ah, oh, that's just the way I am. You know, he's, I think he's, he's kind of, he's just a calm guy naturally. And to be as calm as he is in there, it's, it's massive. And I think if he can get a fight, um, in the UFC where he is like that, I think he'll have a ton of fights in the UFC where he is like that, you know, because he has preparation now. What do you see? Two months out from this uh, fight, it's you know, it's a, I'm sure he would have liked a little bit more preparation, but it's enough. Get in there against Agnelusa, get the win, and then go on and 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 keep it going. But wasn't it the case that he hadn't actually ever been to a UFC and he wanted yes. to like save and like mm. you know we talk about the the theaters, the big show, and not having been there as a corner man or even like you know as a fan or anything like that is is unusual for these fighters, um, you know, and maybe that made it even more you know coming in against Shimaev and the whole or the whole like uh, ordeal around media and. You know, trying to make weight on short now, it was a lot to ask. And this time, you know, as you said, as as you said, he's since he's uh, got caught from the UFC, he's improved. You know, he's definitely uh, shown that fight to fight, and he's got the finishes. And you know, uh, I think he'll be a lot more comfortable in the UFC this time, having experienced it before and having you know learned those lessons. And you know, I think. I think this is, I don't know much about his opponent, but I think this is a, a much nicer matchup than the, the initial one he got against Shimoyev and even the, Mor- the Morono one. So, yeah, I think this is a, a much better chance for Reese to show the real, the real Reese McKee. And, you know, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. Can't wait for that. Like, uh, Agnew, so we'll obviously, you know, we'll go and we'll break down that fight the closer it gets. But, you know, he's. Um, uh, he's what three and three in his last six, kind of his last, uh, last Jack eliminated and Munir Lezez, two very good fighters. Like, but he's beaten the likes of John Howard and and others as well. So you know, being it's definitely going to be an interesting fight. He's lots of finishes as well, and he's five knockouts in his uh on his ledger. So it should be a it should be a fun fight. But uh, it's brilliant to see Reese back, and like hopefully Paul Hughes is next. And yeah, I was going to say about Paul Hughes. You know, we got a good few Irish on the on the on the rise now. On the, it's into the UFC, maybe a Dublin show and. You can you can sign Paul Hughes up as well, and maybe a couple of others. It'd be, you know, obviously the pandemic. They were planning on coming to to the three arena again in Dublin, but the pandemic kind of you know scuppered that. So uh, we haven't heard much about it since. Obviously, Ian was over at the UFC and asked Dana about it in the scrum, and Dana said that you know he kind of said, "Oh yeah, we're we're looking at it," but he, he kind of gave the generic answer that he always gives. So you know. Um, yeah, these guys, you know, these Irish guys, Shauna, Reese, um, Ian, keep winning, and you know, hopefully they can they can drag the show back. And you know, I, I gotta say, I feel a little bit a little bit sorry for Paul Hughes. You know, uh, it, what can you do? You you can't control it, but it must be it must be kind of hard to take. You know, he's he, I think everybody expected him to get signed after his last fight and that performance against uh, Vucenic, just such a high level guy and such a such a war and. Uh, you know, it's 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 um it's unfortunate, but like like I said, with Reese, you know, just keep the head down, and if you have to go win another fight, even though you don't want it, let's go and win it and make it undeniable. You know, go out there and 
and uh, keep knocking on that UFC matchmaker door. A hundred percent. Like the thing about it is, and I've been told this from multiple people now, like the UFC are looking for undefeated records or finishers. And like Paul Hughes is one loss and he hasn't been finishing lads recently because there is this fucking unbelievable trifecta of uh, <laughs> of one forty five or very disputed loss as well. Yeah, very disputed loss, massively. But like Vucinic is well good enough to fight in the UFC. Anyone who's seen Jordan Vucinic fight knows he is UFC caliber. Like the two of them should be in the UFC. Morgan Sharia, like a really good fighter, absolutely could fight in the UFC, especially with the Paris guard coming up. No problem at all, like, and, like, it's these lads he's been in there against, you know? Uh, Paul Hughes, uh, and I, like, I tweeted it again last night, like, you watch featherweight fights every week, and you think to yourself, these lads are in the UFC, but Paul Hughes isn't. Like, I genuinely think Paul Hughes is, the, the way he's improved over the last while, like, Paul Hughes is championship prospect caliber. That's what I would say. Now, do I, am I saying he's going to go on and win the 145-pound belt? Maybe. Who knows? But, like, I think he would become a top 15er in that division. Like, I was talking to, to someone from Bellator, and they were, you know, saying, like, oh, what about Paul Hughes? I was like, if you sign Paul Hughes today, Paul Hughes would be a top five uh, Bellator uh, 145er today. Like, I I, I think, he, like, remember there were talks of him fighting Mads Brunel in... in um, uh, in cage wars, like him versus Mads Brunel would be a great fighter. You'd be in Daniel fighting for a title, you know, in Bellator. Like, that's the level that Paul Hughes is actually at. And it's absolutely crazy, like, that he's not in the UFC with the level of, like, watching that um, Costa versus Lingo fight there last night. Paul Hughes would take out the two of them handily. Like, he's just a different level of fighter to either of the two of them. And it's, you know, it's crazy that he's not there. But look, we're turning into the old triangle now, so we better, <laughs> we better move on here. But it's it's a great time for Irish MMA. Absolutely fantastic time for Irish MMA. And uh, long may it, um, long may it continue. Long may it continue here. Um, before we get into the fights from last night, Graham, and even maybe look ahead to, to next week a, a little bit more, uh, a couple of topics. Um, what about this Randa Rousey comeback? Are you are you interested? Like there's the obviously I just is, I, I literally just assumed that it was a shy talk and <laughs> didn't pay much attention to it. I, I I'm I like I'm like seventy percent sure it's shy talk and like I thought I would never be that low on it to be honest. Like she's leaving WWE, um, she's doing like a final storyline kind of thing now. Like and th- there's really been no reason given. Like I just assumed you know she did this once before. She went and she had a baby. She had a baby. She came back. I assume maybe she's going having a second baby or moving house or something like that but I don't know the rumours seem to be going getting wild out there and things uh, like now okay we we must say it is just rumours and we've no fucking background information here and we, we don't usually don't do this sort of thing but I wanted to bring it up just for this point because like I think Ronda Rousey is underrated and underappreciated and under. I was literally just thinking that as you were talking there. Yeah. Like at the time, she was like, you know, everybody was like, "Oh, this is amazing." And then since she lost, everybody's like, the general consensus uh, seems to be that ah, she's she's got destroyed. She's terrible, bad person, all this stuff. Just people piling on and just ignoring all the amazing things she did for you know women's MMA and 
you know, the amazing finishes and how, how good she was. Like, you know, everybody knew exactly what she was going to do and couldn't stop it. And maybe the game's moved on now. Like, in fact, it definitely has and all that stuff. But, you know, the people who paved the way, the trailblazers, you know, need to be appreciated. And, you know, the the, the huge excitement that was around those fights and the, the extra eyeballs and the, you know, the media appearances that she was able to get that, you know, even uh, the top a lot of the top UFC stars, male stars, weren't able to get either. You know that was that was important as well. Outside of uh, how good she was at fighting and how fierce she was and how much of a great finisher she was and how tenacious she was and you know obviously you can laugh at her like the boxing like her, her coach Edmund obviously kind of didn't help at all all along the way and things like that and but but you got to strip all of that away and just look at what she did for the sport and how she did it and especially for the women's side of the sport, just phenomenal. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And I, I've said that multiple times down through years. And look, she got on the wrong side of the media at one stage, I think. And that was a big part of it. Because that, like, that can happen. You know, people start talking negatively about you and they start dragging you down. And then, you know, the fans kind of listen to that and then they start doing it too. And then it just becomes a thing. And I, I like, I've always hated that in, in all different sports, you know. We, we've talked about it multiple times, Graham. There's like these players, they in you know, whether it's a Man United player, Liverpool player, whatever, and they start off and they have a couple of bad years, but then they turn into like a really good player, but everyone still thinks they're bad because they were bad before. Like, it's the opposite now is happening with Ronda Rousey. And as you said, maybe, okay, maybe the game has moved um, moved beyond her and everything, and as, as you said, it has, but that doesn't mean she wasn't great. And also it doesn't mean like that if she was to come back or if she was coming back, that like it's not a massive thing like she is one of the biggest stars in the history of our sport she drew so many numbers but it's not just about drawing numbers either she wasn't a, a legit killer like she the, the way she finished people so quickly and everything like that if there was a prospect of that coming back like the people she went in there and she lost to holly home like we'll talk about holly home in a second but you know and Amanda Nunes is gone now as well so like maybe Amanda Nunes would be quickly back if if, uh, if Ronda was coming back but I'd be excited I'd be excited to see what she looks oh, like again. I don't know like I, I think it's a bad idea for her I wouldn't it was like if I was close to Ronda I wouldn't recommend it I agree with that yeah 100% like you know the game like she's obviously been doing well and uh, I haven't really been watching but I hear she's been doing well in WWE and you know training for that stuff is a very different than training for MMA and you know improving with the game and everybody around her improving and the game had kind of already caught up to her at the time she retired and obviously um, for her legacy and all that and just I just don't want to see her back I think like you know if she comes back it's going to be against a killer you know the UFC aren't going to pay her a lot of money to build her up slowly again I don't think they're going to put her in there and try and make a lot of money on a once-off pay-per-view more than likely and I just for Ronda's sake I just hope it doesn't happen yeah it, it's it is interesting because you you wonder as well like what's the crack with her wwe uh contract is she trying to play them off but then they're on the same, <laughs> same company yeah, play so like, maybe maybe they're disconnected still yeah. because it's a new merger and she she can uh <laughs> Brock you know, I, I actually was watching <laughs> dark side of the ring and uh yeah. who was it was what, what was your man's name oh, i can't believe i'm forgetting his name stone cold's old uh um training partner 
Pillman, oh, Brian, Brian Pillman, Pillman yeah. negotiating, uh, getting Eric Bischoff to uh, release him from his contract for like a. Oh, yeah, to, I heard to, about to keep that. Keep the yeah. kayfabe up and all. And then actually, <laughs> and then he like, just you know, yeah. <laughs> see you later, buddy. <laughs> apparently, uh, his son is wrestling these days, well, and apparently, he's a bit of a. Uh, a bit of a Brian Pillman as well. Even his name is Brian Pillman as well. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. He was a uh, that was a mad story. I'm always watching that. I haven't seen many. I haven't seen the new Dark Side of the Rings, but I must definitely watch that. But yeah, look, I I I just think it's it's a story that probably should be bigger than it actually is. But at the same time, is an actual story probably not. So I don't know why you're even talking about. It. Anyway. One story that is a massive story, though, and I, I feel like, and, and I tweeted this out, but it's, so Francis Singh, you know, we talked about it last week, and we talked about it in the Q&A and everything, he's now going to be in a bout against Tyson Fury, thankfully it's going to be boxing rules and all of that, there's no title on the line and all, which is like, mm, well, is it? And like, I saw Luke Thomas tweeting, is like, oh, everything they're saying here kind of makes it sound like it's an exhibition, I'm like, oh god, I hope, I hope that's not the case, but it's, it seems like well, the it's... The way they kind of spelled it out, like, yeah. as if people don't understand what boxing is in the, in the press release. Yeah. Being like, very they're going to be allowed to punch each other and all. Like, you very know what I mean? Odd, yeah. so that, that was kind of odd. It, it was. It was. But the thing I want to talk about today is, I suppose, the reaction to it and uh, the reporting of it. Now, no, no problem if you're talking about the fight and you're talking about, I'm delighted Francis got a big payday and, you know, I'm looking forward to this bout and fair play to Francis getting out from the UFC. And no, no problem with any of that. The one thing I thought was very weird, right, was nobody. And I like almost. I I think John Nash did mention it, but then he was like, you know, not actually calling him out about it. And I think after I said it, then uh, there was a couple more people that did it. But like this fight is happening in Saudi Arabia, you know, and every single and Graham, I know you're a big sports fan like myself. Every single time something like this happens in in a sport, and it's new to that sport. There's like outrage. Like, look at what happened with golf. Look at Man City. Look at Newcastle United, where like a state-owned, um, uh, you know, mer- uh, venture is happening, and people are getting paid from it. It happened. I know people. You know, a few people reply to me and goes, "Well, this is just one scumbag versus another scumbag in MMA," and like I can't disagree with that at all. No, no problem. And I'm, I, you know. I, I, I'm not I'm not being all high and mighty and saying no oh, they shouldn't take the money or whatever but I'm just saying like the reaction to it was a bit odd like you you have our biggest uh, drawing star let's say in the world of mixed martial arts the, the guy who's been you know fighting for what's right for the last three years and now he goes and he takes Saudi money and and he got no criticism for it no one called him out and nothing was said with all the coverage of sports. Uh, in fairness, at that point, that. I think he was fighting for like UFC or MMA fighters, uh, the right thing for them rather than oh, yeah, what to get like, for them, the global thing. But yeah, like, I do agree with you. I think the fact that it's come to like you know WWE, golf, uh, soccer, everywhere, it's got coming everywhere. People are just getting numb to it. Like the the soft power exercises is, is winning. You know, <laughs> you know, even even the some of the the outrage after the LIV tour and the PGA tour in golf, it seemed a bit kind of half-hearted by the end, just kind of like, oh, do we really have to keep talking about this? It just, it just becomes repetitive. And, you know, that's exactly what these kind of, these kind of countries want you know, they want people just to kind of get used to them being around and stuff. And that seems to be happening. And I think what's happened with Francis, in my opinion, is people took a side very early on 
what they were what they oh, thought was Francis had done and they yeah. just stuck to that side no matter what the they were always going to stick to that no matter what happened they were going to be like he dropped the bag or he didn't drop the bag he won or he didn't win no matter what happened they were going to they were going to stick to their side and they stuck to their side Generally. 100% you're, you're 100% right and myself and Spencer did a podcast over in Shardog like early days on this and we said that exact same thing like this is so odd like because there's there's two uh, there's three sides to this like you know and there's it's you know we all, as we always know the reality lies somewhere in the middle it's like you know it, francis had won the game with the ufc he got offered a, a lot of money like just as much money as he's probably getting now to be able to do it in the ufc and have all those fights that was a great well, opportunity I think it was, apparently it was it was similar or well, i don't know we don't know the act figure but people are saying it was similar money but if Francis was to lose that fight to John Jones, then the yeah, well, that's money would go down. So it was yeah. a bigger risk. That, uh, that's fair. But uh, like the, the so the point I'm making, I'm not, and I'm not saying that's like my opinion or anything. But like he had made himself a great opportunity, got himself a great offer. Now he's gone out, and you know it's uh, okay. Seemingly got himself a great offer, and now he's seemingly got himself another great offer with the freedom he wanted. Not so like I like I actually. It's funny because all there's these two sides like fighting against each other. I actually think Francis won won the bag on both sides of it. You know, so like that. That I think that argument is kind of over, and it was. I don't think it was like. The argument I think always was long term. I always thought Francis would would get big opportunities short term, I, and I still think long term is an unanswered question, to be honest. But maybe he won't need any long term if he's getting ten million for this about whoever it might be. But that's a, almost a separate. And point. in, in Francis's head, though, mm-hmm. oh, I can land a big shot on Tyson here and put him down, and then look where I'm at. Uh, let's not get into that shit now. I've not in his mind, I'm well, talking. Yeah. I'm not talking realistically, but he's now. You know, will you go in there against John Jones and probably lose and take a paycheck, a pay cut? You could win that. Okay, great. But then you're still on the same money. It's good money. It's great money compared to, you know, relative to other people. But the the opportunities that potentially you know, all going well, <laughs> you know, could happen in Francis's mind are, are huge now if he goes in and wins. And even if he doesn't win, he's already, you know, made bag as people people seem to yeah. really be involving the bag metaphor and, and that's, that, that's grand I, I think like that argument is, is like really probably the stupidest argument that people have had in MMA over the last while but that as I said that argument is not the one I want you know want, want to bring up today it's like but I, I, I think you brought it up in the fact that like the people who've taken Franzis to society, which is really weird. Aren't we supposed to be uh, unbiased fucking media members here? You know, you know <laughs> long be the day that'll fucking happen. But like those people just ignoring the fact it's coming from Saudi. And I even thought, you know, Luke Thomas was kind of one of those people. And some people are bringing up tweets about him talking about WWE taking the Saudi money, but nothing about Francis. Like, is that not ultimate hypocrisy? And maybe Luke did come out and say something about it afterwards. There's, it's not just Luke. There's there's multiple people doing it, and like, I just think it's 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 ridiculous. Well, I, I think the lack of a, like uh, and um, coming out against it is different than being for it. So you know, maybe maybe you know. Oh, I never know, but I'm not saying they're for it. You no, know, but people like, are kind of saying, oh, people are calling you a hypocrite, but maybe he mm-hmm. he does have those feelings, but other people maybe above him bosses or things maybe you know like we don't know what's going on in the background maybe you're saying just you know keep your mouth shut about this you know that happens i don't know if that's the case with with any specific names but it, yeah, it probably is it probably is the case somewhere but like 
I, I, I don't know. I just. I, oh, well, I'm not saying it was. It's a case with Luke. I'm just yeah, saying that, no. like you know, some things could be going on in in the in the background. Yeah. Like you know. Oh, they're getting know paid by. Yeah. Like I, I, I was funny actually. I was watching. I think it was. Oh, I was second captains and they were off the ball. One of them, and there was this lad talking about this, and they were. Uh, he was like, "Oh well, uh, you know, I used to have a job working for like a Saudi newspaper or something." And I'm like, "Oh, did you? Okay, well, you know very well." So, but yeah, I, and and you know the point you made earlier, right, about um, people being sick about talking about this, and you know, and, and look at Rory McIlroy in that press conference he did. That was exactly wh- where he was. But for MMA, now people probably say, like, look at the UFC's ownership over the last while. They've had Middle East. Um, uh, backing and uh, you know for years and years and years and absolutely and like look at all and we've look we've talked about it all but like Kadyrov and all this madness all you know being involved in MMA and we as I said earlier on there are scumbags everywhere but just because an extra scumbag <laughs> enters mixed martial arts doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about it plus we haven't had the fatigue that other uh, sports have had with this massive investment taking some of our biggest stars. Like you look at soccer at the moment, Cristiano Ronaldo has gone out to to Saudi. You know, Liverpool's two midfielders are being bought right now. Uh, apparently, out, out in Saudi, Angola Kante carrying bins. I mean, all of that it's happening right in front of our face, and there's talk about it all the time. Yes, we have our one of our biggest stars taken uh, out there to have a big boxing match, and there's there's absolutely nothing about it. Like this is. The, the and they're saying it's the start of like the um the the month of festivities and all so it's just it's the state run thing this is the state that murdered Jamal Khashoggi uh, a couple of years ago these are the people we're talking about here yet no criticism and like what are we if we don't criticize that if we don't bring that up like, are, can you be happy if Francis is getting all the money and getting paid and all that? Absolutely no problem with that uh, at all. Can like, can you be like Rory Mc, uh, McElroy and be like, oh God, okay, well, look, I guess we have to take this money because these people refuse to stop. Absolutely. You can, you can absolutely have that opinion, but don't be foolish either. And don't, don't be like, oh, well, look, we'll just, we'll just let it, you know, we'll just let it wash over and not even mention it because I think that's wrong too. And as you said, Graham, that's well, it's exactly just the attitude the of, yeah, that's the way it is now and there's nothing yeah. we can do about it. And people have just been worn down. That's what I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I think they have another source, but in MMA, have we? I don't think we have. Is there is there many people who are just MMA fans and don't aren't kind of following other sports? <sighs> but maybe a few, but like I oh, think the majority the, of people have a lot of people covering MMA in some don't way, cover or sports. at least in the MMA media, they've heard about the golf, they've heard about the WWE, they've heard about the the boxing. They've you know it's been it's been in there even if they're not following those sports, it's been in their consciousness for a good few years at this stage. Yeah, but like when you if you think about it, right? When we did the soccer podcast a few weeks ago, what what, what was your main gripe? Like your main gripe is Man City and all the cheating they've, they've been able to do because they're a an, an allegedly let's put it that way state backed uh, endeavor. Well, well, and yeah, I know, I know what you mean. My kind of point was more that they're they, we, everybody agrees to rules. All the teams agree to rules for the league, and they're just flagrantly breaking the rules. So that's kind of a little bit different than this. But yeah, it's definitely you know been an ongoing discussion for a long time in, in soccer well a good few years at this stage in soccer indeed all right we will uh we'll move on from but i'm you know i'm 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 glad we mentioned that because i i feel like it's it should have been completely ignored but anyway um it's good to see my old pal francis though uh you know uh oh yeah, not getting know. not getting absolutely screwed over which it could, there was a small chance could have happened when he took this big chance and yeah. walked away from the ufc so you know at least that didn't happen and you know fair play to him he seems happy and you know, uh, yeah, as we said, there's, there's definitely, it's not the, 
it's not the the cleanest kind of thing but for for francis i think you know uh i'm glad i'm glad he didn't get left in the lurch anyway yeah <laughs> i i also i think this is very funny like because jordan henderson at the moment as you know graham he's getting massive criticism because he has been you know at the forefront of you know what you know fighting for people's rights and you know doing you know being uh being socially fucking very good and he deserves all the praise in the world for doing that but now he's like oh well i got offered money from saudi i'm gonna go out there type of thing and he's getting 700 massive, grand a week uh, yeah. uh, okay <laughs> look, he's getting massive criticism isn't he like i, I listened to sick, uh, second captains talking yeah. about him just massive crit- yeah. and like yeah to be honest i think like when, when these footballers or these like you know england vice captains or captains are doing ads and stuff like this i always wonder like how much do they really like were they asked to do this and they kind of didn't want to say no and now they're fucking in there doing it like or I think really he's gone over and above the you know but I think I think like um, once you've kind of once you've kind of done it then you're kind of you're kind of in that in that category and if you do go against it like this you're gonna like everybody's gonna kind of criticize you kind of rightfully and there's not much you can really say except the kind of old line of oh we go in there and change opinions from the inside yeah, and you know the old like, kind of yeah. uh, worn out kind of cliche do you reckon do you reckon francis will even get that question like he, he is a guy who is like i want to change things i want to you know make uh, make the world different in terms of mixed martial arts around the world, but in terms of in America with the way people are getting paid and everything as well. Like he's been fighting for what's right, and next thing he you know takes the Saudi money. Like I I don't even think he'd be asked the question, and it should like it should be the first question he should be asked about. But if it was any other sport, it'd be the first question he'd be asked. But I don't know. I don't think he'll even get asked it. Anyway, we'll move on. Um, UFC London. We we which we, we uh. We mentioned it earlier on with um, with Sean O'Bannon. Uh It's it's a poor enough card to be honest. Um, look, the, the title or the, the the main event is a very uh, important fight, I suppose. Tom Aspinall coming back from injury against Martin Tibora. Co main event is Molly McCann versus Julia Stoliarenko, and maybe that's more to do with uh, Molly's um, star quality than her actual quality. But yeah, not great. Then with Natalia Wood and Rafi, that's a good fight. Paul Craig going down to middleweight. Um, I always love to see Joy Herbert. I think the standout fighting for me on this, uh, apart from the main event, is Leron Murphy against Josh Kulabau. I think that's a a really, really, really good fight. But Joel Alvarez versus Marcia Casey is a is a good fight uh, as well. And you know, it's it, there. As I said, there are some good fights on it, and and a good few good fights on it. But there, it's missing that like one or two absolutely top top fights that you'd expect from a London card that we've seen over the last while because it's such a good market for them. And I think. You know, the, the prices of the tickets are really expensive. I know a lot of people were kind of um, sending on messages and stuff about that, saying, oh, will you talk about this, lads? It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and, you know, it seemingly it is. And I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if this one is sold out like all the rest of them. But, you know, it, it's... I said earlier on, it's a bad card. I, I, I wouldn't say maybe a bad card. It's, it's a, a, an okay card, but it could be a lot better and it's missing stuff from the top. Oh, well, what do you yeah. think of it? Is this the type of one you'd fly over for a gram or is it... Man. You know, the fact that Shauna has been added to it like definitely adds a lot of excitement for me and kind of nearly nearly saves the card or boosts it a lot anyway, uh in my in my mind and my level of interest in the card. Like, but there's a lot of fights there that don't really have that much jeopardy. And you know, you mentioned the Mark Jacasey, Joel Alvarez, that should be a that should be a banger of a fight. Like both really talented guys. Obviously, we've talked in depth about Mark in the past and you know, all the tools he has and uh, you know, uh 
as Daniel Cormier uh, mentioned, he, he could wrestle too. Uh, so uh, yeah, he, uh, <laughs> yeah hope, hopefully that. he can put it all together. Like Davy Grant is always exciting against a, uh, a fourteen and zero Daniel Marcos, but yeah, the Joy Herbert fight is all like there's a few decent fights that could be exciting. Like Paul Craig is always exciting and stuff like that. Molly McCann's been in a lot of exciting fights. Natalia Wood, Andre Feely, and the main event is obviously very interesting, but. A lot of like Tom coming back and things like that, but yeah, for for the kind of the cards we've been used to uh, over these parts recently uh, or in the last few years, it's 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 a bit underwhelming. Indeed, yeah, and we'll have a full preview. at that ticket price as you mentioned as well. Yeah. It's uh, you know you don't want to be a hardcore fan. Indeed, indeed, we'll have a full preview for that anyway, and um, you know we'll uh, the the uh, the lads will be uh, talking in depth about that card uh, on Wednesday. So check out that. Uh, the night before that, there's a really, really, really good Cage Warriors card. I'm telling you, I'd only rather go to this Cage Warriors card, to be honest. There's some absolutely brilliant fights on this, and some of the, the biggest names in Cage Warriors. Main event, Ireland's own James Webb is fighting for uh, the middleweight title he once held against Mick Stanton, who he has a, a victory over. That should be a very interesting fight. The, the first time... Um, James Webb was able to get on top of him an awful lot and um and win the fight that way. But Stanton was we all saw him last time against Will Curry kept getting that kind of Kimura sweep and standing up over and over and over. So his ability to get up off the ground has really improved. So that's a, an interesting fight. Morgan Shahi is on this card. So real, you know, we talked about Paul Hughes earlier on. All of the de facto number one contenders, number two contender, number three contender, are on this card. Morgan Sharia is fighting uh, Diego Silva. Jordan Vucinic is back. He's fighting Bryce Prichot. And uh, Harry Hardwick as well is on this card too. And plus uh, Luke Riley as well, uh, who's 6-0 in the featherweight division. And he's climbing the ranks. He's also on this. So massive night for the featherweight division in um, in Cage Warriors. And a, you know, a fantastic card. Daniel Skibinski against Matters Flaminas. Now with Reese McKee gone to uh, the UFC with Oban Elliott as well in the Contender Series. It's wide open at 170. If Jesse Urholland can go in and beat Emil Brown in a... That's just a wonderful fight for me. I love those two lads. They're two of my favourite guys in the way through. You could you could see that as like a two semi-finals there maybe at 170. You know, for James Sheehan as well, I know who, who lost obviously his last fight to uh, Oban Elliott. He must, he's, like, he's now back in the mix at 170 again. If he goes in, gets one more win, I think he could be really close to a title fight as well. So it's, it's a massive change in times of Cage Warriors again as it always seems to be. But this card is is brilliant. Like Lanier Kavanaugh's on it as well, 5-0. and all. He uh, he, uh, his opponent Sean De Silva actually fell out but they're looking for another opponent for him I believe so hopefully um, that will be uh, that will be happening Will Curry's also on the card Cater is absolutely fucking stacked this card from top to bottom and uh, if you're going over for uh, for UFC London you haven't got a ticket yet I, I would definitely suggest to buy a ticket for that card because you're going to see be seeing some future stars and that without a shadow of a doubt and for you stick out Graham it's a it's an unbelievable card. All the names I mentioned yeah. there. Myself and Brad did a preview yeah, already. You, and like, we, we were sorry. barely able to get into like 33 or 4 minutes. <laughs> yeah, as you said, like the really high level guys in the 45 division, like uh, Vucenic and uh, Charrier, I'm always excited to see, you know, great technicians and exciting fighters. And, you know, maybe Charrier goes to a lot of decisions, but uh, I, I love watching him. You know, he's always in very competitive, exciting fights. Um, yeah, uh, Loner Kavanagh, Tom Creasy, uh, Harry Hardwick. You know, it's an absolutely stacked card, as you mentioned. Uh, obviously, the main event. And yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. There's a lot of fights on the card. Like, uh, 
it's going to be a it's going to be a long night but uh, there's you know hopefully the pacing will be good and there's a lot of exciting fights that could go either way on the like good matchmaking as usual we always kind of say it about Ian Dean or like a broken record uh, 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 on that but you know it, it must be said because sometimes when the matchmaking is a bit uh, out there we call it out so when it's good it's good to it's good to mention it too. 100% and a massive few weeks as well for uh, for Team KF as I said James Webb fighting in the main event but also Leon Hill has a massive fight uh, over in Rome the week after we'll talk about that next week but he's fighting the guy who knocked out Aaron Cullen um, in his last fight so that's a massive fight for him as well so huge uh, huge few weeks coming up for uh, for Team KF Takamandu has a new fight uh, announced as well so great times for uh, for Team KF Right, uh, we've looked ahead. So let's look back on, on last night, uh, Graham, and, and the, the weekend in general. Just quickly, let me mention one championship uh, had a card. Gary Tonin got a really lovely knee bar uh, against Shamil Gastonov. Uh, lovely or horrible and horrible, nasty. Yeah, <laughs> both. Uh, both at the same time, indeed. I like uh, coming in. Gastonov was a massive uh, favourite coming into this one. And I think in the first round, a lot of people were like, well, Gary Tonin's trying to take him down. He's trying to jujitsu him and he's getting fucking kneed in the head on the ground. I'm like, oh, that's not great. But then Tonin kind of set it up slowly. And you, you could see, and he said it afterwards. It was like, right, are you going to tap out here? Or are you going to force me to fuck your shit up? And he was like, well, you're going to have to fuck my shit up here. And like Gary Tone was like, okay. And then he just like tore his knee to shreds and then got snuffed tapped. So I'm like, I probably should have tapped a little bit earlier there, but you can't. It's one of those ones, you know, there, there's no line there. It's either shit torn to shreds or you're fine. And unfortunately for Gassanoff, his shit got torn to shreds, but a great win for, uh, for Gary Tone in there. Um, Amir Ali Akbar got a very good win uh, against Dustin Johnson and then himself and uh, Maliakin were kind of facing off afterwards. I think that'll be the next heavyweight fight there. Uh, Ali Akbar, a very, very good fighter and has improved a lot over the last while. Uh, Yuya Wakamatsu got back to winning ways after losing two against Shioe. Um, very good win there, TKO finish. And if you don't know, uh, um, Balma as well got a win over Walter Goncalves. He was a big underdog. Uh, I gave him as one of my bets of the week. But if you haven't heard, Graham, of Akbar Abdullayev, you need to you need to know know this guy. You need to look him up. Uh, he is unbelievable. He's now ten and all. He beat a ten and all guy last night in Aaron Canarte. This guy is a fucking beast. I, I think I, I said it last night, but um, Norbert Navinia Jr. is my number one prospect in the world. I think this guy might be my number two. He is a killer with serious power, good wrestling. He has it all. He's an absolute and utter beast. All oh, ten wins, ten finishes. Oh, he's really good. So keep an eye on keep an eye on that lad. But uh, yeah, good card again for one championship. KSW in before we get to the UFC. Filled the free stuff. So filled the free stuff. He had a bit of bit of trouble here. Bayer hit him a good few times, and I'm like, ooh, you could have put him out. But filter freeze gets the takedown at the right time, all the time. Um, takes him down. You know, pounds him out in the first. Gets hit again in the second. Takes him down again, and with three seconds left to go in round two, he gets the no hooks RNC and uh, finishes him off for his. I think he's tenth. Tile defense in a row, an absolute legend of KSW now, Philip DeFries is, and what a win for him. Sebastian Pivish got the win in the co-main event, Damian Janikowski and Dario Stocic got the win as well as Bartos Lesko and Damian Stasiak. But Henry Felipe Graham, massive win. He came in here as an underdog. I was previewing it last week. I was like, oh, it's a tough one for Henry Felipe. But he's turned the corner in his career. Henry, hasn't he? A very good performance. Talk us through it, Graham. 
Yeah, you know, it was a bit of a tough first round, you know, fighting a good guy, a ranked guy, a guy that KSW seemed to have hopes for. And, you know, as you said, Henry was a sizable underdog. And we talked about it before how, you know, he's so dangerous and he, he kind of uh, sometimes fights to the level of his opponent. But, uh, you know, he kind of figured out his opponent, what it, uh, what Christian was, his combinations that he was looking to throw. And once he did, from the, I don't know what the judge, one judge was thinking in the second round, but from the end of the first round onwards, in my opinion, he was picking them apart. He was picking, Henry was picking them apart and, you know, landing head kicks, mixing it up, leg kicks, working the body, uh, moving around, being a, a, elusive, evasive, uh, great head movement, just looked phenomenal in the in the second and third round and could have put his opponent away a couple of times, had him on wobbly legs. Uh, Christian was very, very tough, uh, stayed in there. But yeah, from the... From the start of the second round onwards, I thought Henry completely dominated and he, he ended up winning the split decision, but uh, that doesn't really tell the story of the fight and how dominant Henry was from from the second round and especially in the third round. Yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And like for, uh, we talked about Henry last week in his use of Grammy. He always had the talent and, you know, we, we thought he was kind of retired and he mightn't fight again there at one stage, but to come back and go on, what is he, two, two, two out of his three fights now in KSW, get that opportunity and absolutely take it this is it's fantastic for Henry Felipe and long may it continue and it's great you know it's great to see Irish fighters all over um uh all over the the world in different promotions and KSW is is one I always love tuning into so to be able to tune in to watch yeah. a Henry Felipe fight yeah, you know event. in fairness to Henry like he's always fought really tough guys from the, yeah. the very start of his career like he was booked to fight Drikas Dupasi three times that fight was cancelled in in EFC you know he he take on all comers and like straight away from the start of his career, he 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 wasn't padding his record, and people may look at a fourteen four was it a fourteen or fourteen ten and one record and and think he's kind of like a a bit of a like journeyman fighter, but he's so much more than that. And you know when he's on, as we saw in the second and third round, he's he's really difficult to beat. He's really difficult to hit. He he can use so many different tools. His understanding of range is he's got good power. He's composed. He's able to figure opponents out. Like really, like when it all clicks for Henry, he really is really. Uh, technical and flowy and great to watch like and you know uh, he's, he, he doesn't uh, like he always fight guys with good record but he, he also fights guys who kind of the style so matchup isn't great and or isn't is the kind of the blueprint to beat him and he, he doesn't mind that he'll take on all comers as, as you kind of mentioned there earlier and that, that's exactly what KSW want and he comes in there and wins a you know uh, wins handily in my opinion against a ranked guy who they had high hopes for and you know, a couple more wins, he could be in, in title contention and I wouldn't be that surprised if, if he could do it. Like, you know, I'm looking at the division and, you know, I might not be the Sean Denny probably knows better and uh, and all that stuff and uh, whatever. But looking at Henry throughout the years and, and seeing him uh, develop and seeing all the tools he has and um, all that stuff, you know, could he become a title contender? Could he become a, a, a title holder in KSW? I think he could. Ooh, big call there, and uh, time will tell. We'll see it, but great to see, uh, great to see Henry there. Um, let's talk about the UFC. So, Graham, last night, um, it it was an absolute snooze fest of a prelim card. Apps just absolutely terrible. Main card was uh, was definitely uh, definitely a lot better. Um, unfortunately, it started with one of the worst injuries we've seen in the UFC in long time thankfully actually the aftermath didn't seem too bad so Estela Nunes was taken down by Victoria Dudikov uh, 
And as she did, she went to obviously post on an arm or whatever, and then her arm just snapped at the elbow um, and could completely dislocate her elbow, went the opposite way. Then I put up pictures on, her inst- uh, on his Instagram um, <clears throat> of the elbow dislocated and then the elbow back in place. But look, she's probably tendons and all of that are probably torn to absolute shreds. Terrible injury and hope she gets to, to uh, come back stronger. But it looks like there's no break or no major break anyway. So that's uh, that's a good thing. Although, you know, tendons and all that can be just as bad sometimes. But yeah, it was a really, really nasty one. And uh, hopefully one we don't see another again for another one. Hopefully she can get back. But before that, like, yeah, did not much, I think, stood out. Uh, Evan Elder wasn't bad. Um, the Tyson Nam Maxim fight was, was pretty good. Um, and... Um, Eileen Perez just destroyed Ashley Evans-Smith uh, in that fight. One of the funniest moments in the history of the UFC happened in Norman DeMond versus Chelsea Chandler, where Chelsea Chandler got hit by a bunch and literally t- turned around, tucked tail and sprinted away. Like, this, this was not an, you know, an evasive, you're sprinting away from the pressure you're trying to reset. She literally took a bunch and ran away. It was one of the funniest things. I, I didn't even get mad at DC for, for giggling at this one. It was so funny. I, uh, I, uh, <laughs> I just, I can't get over how funny it was. It was absolutely hilarious. But Norman Amant like completely outclassed her, and uh, and won that fight. Before that, talking about being uh, outclassed, um, uh, Nazim Sadikov beat Terence McKinney. I thought this was an interesting fight because you you look at the first round and Terence McKinney had the back of Sadikov for four and a half minutes and. Did virtually nothing, like virtually nothing. And then Sadikov had the back of Terence McKinney in the second round for about 10 seconds and choked him to sleep, right? I'm not choking him to sleep, choked him to, 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 until he called uncle or whatever you call it, right? And like, this in is the submission. In the submission. This is the difference. And like, okay, one guy got submitted, but like, this is the difference. When we talk about effective grappling, look at the effectiveness of Sadikov's grappling versus the effectiveness of McKinney's grappling. You know, and like, why, why don't you score for four minutes of back control like that? Like, why, why isn't that scoring loads? Well, it's not scoring loads because if it was as dominant as the position seems, then he would have gotten the result that Sadikov got. And I was not always that. Or easy. he would have gotten really close, and it yes. would have been, you know, a yes. really good defense, or like, you know, last minute peeling the hand over the head or whatever. Like, it would have been. A big mm-hmm. moment in the fight, obvious to everybody. Indeed, forcing his opponent to defend, almost finishing him. Like dominant positions are only dominant positions if you dominate in them. If you don't do anything in them, you're not dominating. They're not dominant positions, right? So anyway, that was just a bit of a judging rant there because we haven't too much to talk about with the judging there. But that was a, a very good win for Sadiq. Couldn't help yourself. Couldn't help myself. <laughs> Terence McKinney. Uh, you know, he's Terence McKinney is such a good fighter in lots of different ways, but mm, I don't know. He's he's just he's, it's going to take a lot. Myself and Harry actually have a very interesting podcast coming out uh, in Speaker's Corner uh, next week, I think. Uh, about fighters like McKinney, you have like so much ability, and um, the they're. There's always hope for someone like McKinney because he's so athletically good, but he have to use that well to actually get to the next level. He's not at, at this moment. But anyway, um, 
someone who is uh, someone actually probably beat the more athletic fighter was Jung Young Park Juraev you know coming in there doing his best but Jung Young Park gets the gets the rear naked joke as well T- took some absolute fucking bangers of blows uh, in this fight but came through it and, and ended up winning there a good win for him in the middle ne- nearly the won at the end of the round the first round as well with the choke it would look, yeah. it looked deep and saved by the bell indeed I thought uh, Francisco Prado looked very good. I did think this was an early stoppage, if I'm being honest. Uh, not the worst early stoppage of all time or anything like that. But, you know, he hit him with a spinning elbow. But it was like a spinning, I don't know what, it wasn't the elbow. It was like your what's tricep, maybe. Um, and he like, he hit him with it and he hurt him with it. But it was more like, it wasn't a knockdown, I would say. I think I, I'd say kind of fell down as Prado's body weight came on top of him but after getting hurt as well like and then Prado got in a good position started landing ground the pound as I started trying to like tried to kind of peel away from him and he was kind of kicking him as the fight was stopped I was like okay he's look there's no doubt about it Prado had landed big ground the pound after a big shot but like this is one of those ones I often talk about it if it's a, a stoppage like this you look at what came before and you know see if that had um a massive effect on it and i think it did but i think wrongly so i think it wasn't as big of a knockdown as it seemed right i think if he'd landed a massive elbow clearly knocked him down and what happened happened i'd have no problem with the stoppage but i i just think he deserved a little bit extra no I, I saw some people disagreeing around what, what did you think of of this stoppage I don't know, i'm a bit man now to be honest i always kind of yeah even though obviously getting hit in the brain or whatever isn't good i always like to give the like unless they've been completely dumb and it's like it's just a matter of time you know I always like to see them given that extra chance or that that good chance to defend themselves and to fight back uh, yeah so I'd agree it was a bit of an early stoppage like uh, you know yeah I can see a white feel hard done by there um, you know refing is a difficult job and you don't want guys to take extra punishment but you know as you said I think he was more stunned than finished uh, so I think you know, we'll never know. Maybe a couple of ground and pound shots and it would have been it, but, you know, give him that chance in my opinion as well. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and then we did the top two fights, Jack Delaman, Alina versus Basil Hafez. First of all, in the co-man event, <laughs> look, a very interesting fight. Um, Hafez came prepared. He went in and he fucking took Jack Delaman, Alina down immediately. Uh, I was just thinking of you in this fight um, from the, the Franz Malambo point of view where Jack Della kept going for the guillotine over and over and over now a couple of times like uh, he almost got it and I think that first round was an interesting one because like and all of these rounds to be honest there wasn't much uh, effective striking from Hafez no effective grappling and Jack Della um, almost had the guillotine a few times so I'm like well is it isn't, you know? I think the angle was never quite right yeah I agree uh, but yeah. it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't far away but yeah I like Hafez fought so well on short notice. I heard him talking afterwards. Only an awful weight cut, but look, I did think he did enough to win that first round. Um, even though he didn't land a whole lot, but he landed more in the first round, I think, than he did in the second and the third. Same thing in the in the second. Um, late in the second, there was Jack Della was winning on the feet before that and landing a good few strikes was ahead and then Hafez had a couple of minutes on top but like literally did zero on top like I, th- zero. I think you know the weight cut the short notice and yeah. how tired he got definitely you know played into you know if he could have won that second round he would have won the fight and you know if he had a bit more gas if he was in the tank if he was 
you know, uh, a bit more ready for this opportunity, maybe it would have been it would have been a different result. So, you know, a good showing from him, like a really good showing from him. And I'm definitely interested, you know, looking at his record, you, you maybe think uh, he, he, he might not be sticking around long. But on that performance, you know, on short notice. Yeah. That was a, that was that was surprising, and I think he took Jack Della <laughs> Jack Della Madalena by surprise, and you know, I think you you could see he was nervous when that split decision was being read out that that Hafez was going to take the decision. So uh, yeah, fair play to Hafez, and I'm I'm interested to see if uh, if this is a case of you know Jack Della Della Madalena not not really uh, taking him seriously enough for the, the late uh, style opponent change playing into it, or if you know Hafez is as good as he looked in that first round, and you know the opening. Uh, bits of the second round yeah well Jack Dello was supposed to fight like last week and then he caught weight and then he caught weight again last night I think it's uh, it was look it was tough for both of them I think honestly it was one of those um so yeah, I, I think Bolt will be better afterwards. But uh, I agree with you, Hafez definitely deserves uh, another shot. The third round, though, if people didn't see it, um, look, look, it was it was go borderline ten eight for. Uh, I was going to ask that. I saw some Jack people Dilla. saying, "Oh, how is there no ten eights there? Do you, why do you think it wasn't the ten eight, or would you have scored the ten eight? Uh, I think I I would have. I did. I, I scored the ten eight. I think it was, but it was it was a borderline one. Like I think. You know, Hafez at the end of the for like the last minute fought back a little bit, <laughs> got on top for a second. <laughs> it was actually hilarious. Uh, did you see that? He was getting like he nearly got finished two or three times, and then he got on top for literally like six seconds. And Dominic Cruz like, oh, that could win him the fight. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's nearly getting ten eight in here, and he gets on top for six seconds. Oh my god, it was one of the <laughs> it was one of the worst I've ever heard yeah. from Dominic Cruz. If he had to say, oh, maybe he saved the ten eight or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe, but like. <laughs> but no. yeah. Yeah, swinging it the whole way around from a ten eight to yeah. a ten nine the other way is a bit mental. It was ridiculous. I I think the reason, I think the reason the ten eight wasn't given in that one was because, I, like sometimes you earn the nine, and I don't. I know the judges don't like saying that, but like I think half is the fact that he came through it, and it was look. I think it was more tiredness than heart at times. Um, and it was, look, it was definitely hurt at times as well. But I think the fact that he kind of came back in the last minute and was still there and was still trying to fight back, you know, I do think it was a ten eight. I do think it was a ten eight. I, I, I would, I understand why they gave a ten nine. Like if you're if you're looking, what, what's ten eight? Dominance, duration, uh, and damage. Did he have the dam? Like we know they need a little bit more damage now. I think he did have the little bit more damage to be honest. But as a, again. They want a lot of damage. Although there was a lot of ten eights in this, um, he had he had the dominance and he like he had the duration, but like he didn't have five minutes of duration. Let's put it that way. He had maybe three and a half minutes of duration. So like, it's it's one of them where you consider it and you don't a hundred percent have to give it. But I do think it was a a ten eight. But anyway, Jack Della won split decision. Uh, it was all ten nines in that round, but they were split on round two, which I understand to be honest. Like I did think Jack Della was ahead and deserved to win it. Uh, but it was like it wasn't a blow away completely on the feet, um, and then we had the top control for two minutes, two or three minutes, whatever it was. But he did nothing with it. Uh, I like the fact that Jack Della won that fight. I think that's how fight should be scored, and um, you know both guys will go forward from it. The main event then, uh, might have Buena Silva against Holly Holm. Bueno Silva fought a brave fucking fight here. A really brave fight. Because Holly Holm, right? We all know what Holly Holm is. This fucking 19-time world boxing champion who will never get anyone to actually attack her because she wants to pick you off from the outside. And it's like, 
it's like we've never seen it in the UFC. <laughs> it's like no one has ever walked forward against Ali Maybe, maybe there's someone now that I'm, I'm missing. But like even Amanda Nunes like fought a more technical game against Holly Holm. But Buena Silva was like, ah, fuck that. I'm just walking forward. And in the first round, right, Holly Holm was picking her off. I, I actually scored it for Buena Silva and a lot of people disagree with me because Holly Holm probably like won that round in terms of strikes. I don't know, 20 to 5 or something like that. But I thought the strikes that Buena Silva landed were way harder and a affected her way more and I think like that made it a, <clears throat> a bit of a borderline round if I'm being honest because there wasn't a big knockdown or a massive hurtful strike but I do think her strikes landed more but anyway it, 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 I was watching it was like this, this doesn't even matter because if this fight keeps going this way there's one person getting finished I'm not sure who but there's definitely someone getting finished because you can't keep walking down Holly Holm like that getting punched like uh, she was and uh, do it for, for five rounds and you also can't if you're Holly Holm take the shot she was taking from Bueno Silva and not put yourself in a little bit of danger Um, so it was it was going, you know, it, it was either a rock or a hard place there at that stage. And it turned out to be the rock of Muero Bueno Silva, who ended up getting the standing ninja chalk. And I call this, I said, it, I, I, like, she needed big moments. She needed to, you know, not make Holly Holm panic, but put her in an uncomfortable situation and take advantage of that. Like, Muero Bueno Silva is really good at that. If, that. if you were to describe her as a fighter, it's exactly that. Put people in uncomfortable situations and take advantage of it. And that's exactly what she did against Holly Holm. I thought it was a brilliant game plan and brilliantly executed from Bueno Silva. And when I say brilliant, I mean bravely brilliant. Like, it, it, it's not a game plan that's going to work every time but it's a game plan you know some people go out there with a game plan to you know maybe win the fight or like uh, you know uh, some people know that there's a game plan to win a fight but they're going to have to take a lot of shots or put themselves in danger to win it and they do it anyway i i I don't know if graham you listened to deli ali's interview with um with gary neville and was absolutely heart-wrenching and 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 brilliant but he was like people that were saying that he, he was fearless and he goes i wasn't fearless i had fear but i still did it anyway and I think that's ex- I was just brave yeah I was just brave and I think that's exactly what Mera Buena Silva was she knew she would get hit with shots and she walked her fucking down anyway and she won the fight because of it by god that was fucking brilliant so yeah, was, from Silva's point of view it was brilliant I agree with nearly all of what you said but Holly Holm just when she goes for takedowns her, her body position her, her head position her how upright she is she's just it's poor, really, like, uh, for somebody so experienced, been in MMA for so long, you know, I don't know. She kind of put herself into that choke nearly, um, not on purpose or anything like that, just out of a bad mistake, nearly, in my opinion. You know, I think everything you said about Myra having Holly uh, want to push her against the cage, uh, you know, she did everything right. She hit her with some big, big shots early. Yeah, nothing, nothing, nothing huge or anything, but enough for Holly to, you know, try and uh, put her, grab her against the fence or put her on the ground. But it's just not Holly's game, and she just doesn't seem to be able to develop the that side of things. And every time she kind of goes for the kind of uh, grappling positions and the takedowns, I, I always just, it always just looks so awkward and so. Uh, the positioning is wrong, and you know, sooner or later she was going to get caught with something like this. And I think I know. Uh, it, it was it was bad from Holly Holm in, in, in the end at, at, at the finishing sequence yeah uh, it's interesting with Holly because I, I 
was looking at her record during the week and she's only been on two fight win streaks twice in her career which is mad like she started off her career 10 and 0 fair enough but like apart from that she's only won back-to-back fights once and like she'd won her last fight and i'm thinking like jesus that's that's not great for someone who's what 41 years of age 40 years of age whatever it is um i i didn't think she looked like completely different or anything but i think you've hit the nail on the head there and and i think bueno silva um saw exactly what you said in terms of her body positioning in those positions and she took advantage of it by, with the ninja because other other ch- um, chokes or other submissions from that position are very hard. And also, I think a large part of this as well is Holly Holm is very hard to take down. And I, I said that in my preview as well. It's like, she's going to have to find ways and moments of winning this fight. And it was a very unorthodox one that she did it with like you know i'm not saying that a ninja choke is an orthodox right? but a standing ninja choke against holly Holm in that sort of position isn't exactly you know i don't think anyone had that in their bingo card let's put it that way you know but that's exactly what marabona silva is and it was i think it was brilliant from her well scouted and all but for holly Holm, yeah it was it wasn't great no like i don't think holly as i said i don't think she necessarily looked terrible or anything i'm not like calling for to her retire did, did she look shot or anything you know, if you're 41 years of age, you're not going to be as fast. You're not going to be as, as good as you are at, at 31 or 25 or whatever it might be. But yeah, I I, I, I would agree with you, Graham. Uh, Holly Holm was a bit naive, but I, I just, I, I was so impressed with Mara Silva and have been for the last four or five fights that um, I, I think she deserves the, uh, the, the, the most of the, the praise for this. So fair play to her. Right, I think we leave it there. I think we've touched on everything for this week, Graham. Um, it was a busy week in, in MMA, and we have many more busy weeks to come as well. Congratulations to Dublin getting to the All-Ireland final, Graham. I know you're absolutely delighted. Um, Limerick will be there next week, so that should be fun. I, d- I don't know when the, the podcast is coming out next week. I'll either be hoarse or nervous, so uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll wait for that to enjoy it, but... For this week, go over to our friends at Calera Lab. Use the promo code SEVERMMA for 20% off. Go over to our friends over at Manscaped.com. Use the promo code SEVERMMA for 20% off and free shipping. And if you haven't signed up to our Patreon yet, please do patreon.com forward slash SEVERMMA podcast. Um, and uh, there's loads of stuff there all of the time. Follow me at Sean Sheehan BA on Twitter. Follow Graham at SEVERMMA. Follow at SEVERMMA pod and all our... Uh, Good lads, Ian, Andy, Quilsha, Patrick, Sean Dinney, Theo, Sam Perts, all the boys. Who am I leaving out? And Harry Powell, everyone. Follow them all over on Twitter as well. Graham, see us out with a quote for the week. He came dancing across the water with his galleons and guns, looking for the new world and the palace in the sun on the shore. On the shore. Shit, sorry, just go back a little bit there. No, keep going. No, go, keep doing. You're not allowed. <laughs> on the sh- <laughs> on the shore lay Montezuma with his cocoa leaves and pearls. In his halls, he often wandered with the secrets of the world. We'll see you next week. Only minorly butchered. This is severe on the man. We're alongside Paddy Pimlet. No one want to win anyway. So what's the point of feeling pressure? Don't take your eyes off your opponent, that's the way you get caught slipping. Got caught slipping once, twice there, like he caught me, but something deep inside that you can't teach. You can't teach what I've got, no one can get taught what I've got. Anyone that gets in there with me knows that you can't teach what I've got. I'm above.
Martin Lebov getting me McGregor. I'll smoke him as well. Who's he? Aldo's gonna kick his ass, and when he does, I'll kick his ass. Bisbon. He hasn't even got his own people, lad. Doesn't know where he's from. Heard his accent. Come on, lad. I'm a scouser. We look after our own, like I've said. Come back here anytime, and I'll have the best support in the world. Doesn't matter where you go, I'll have the best support in the world. Just waiting for the call. If someone wants to give me a call and give me a shot in the, in the UFC or something, let's go, you know what I mean? You know, who doesn't want to get turned by the UFC and start earning real money? And like, it's because I know for a fact, first fight in there, I'm getting 50 grand up. I'm sub of the night, all fight of the night bonus. Simple as. Declaring the winner by G.A.O. Patty! The-